Good morning. Good morning. Great to see you today. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. If it was dumping rain, we'd have to say that. God bless Houston, all those precious people. Fellow was working in a cotton field years ago and sweat running down his face and he thought, man, if I could just get out of this mess. And he decided to write a song. And it's just an old song that I love to play. And probably almost, if you've ever been around gospel music at all, you've heard the song, I'll Fly Away. Amen. And we're going to. That's the good part. So let me see what I can do. Um, these electronic things, uh, we didn't have them when I was growing up. And so I'll just do the best I can. Praise the Lord and my mom 
that stood behind me with a ball bat and said, practice, son. I said, okay, mama. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Thank you, Pastor Craig, for invitation to come and share with your wonderful people. The Lord was uh, very gracious to us in the early service, and I know he's with us again right now. I'd like for my wife to stand. This is my wife of 57 years, honey. <laughs> and we have some wonderful friends there with her that I used to pastor in Marion, Indiana. And uh, they're scattered across the country now, some in Fort Wayne going to Florida and others the other couple travels and work and so on. And all of you, God bless you for coming on the holiday weekend. I left my tie home. <laughs> and some of you are saying, what's a tie? <laughs> well, this morning we have something very good to look into, and that's this book can't beat the material that's found in here. And in our world today, one thing that I think all of us are struggling with is who is a friend that I can trust? You know? I spent five years working on a, uh, in, in a chaplain's position for a home care agency and I learned what it meant to punch a clock and have evaluations every six months and all of that stuff. And uh, I also learned what it meant to have sometimes people that uh, kind of snuck around behind you, checking you out and all of that stuff. And so friendship is a very important thing. Very important. It's a part of life. And conventional human earthly wisdom can get us in all kinds of trouble. But heavenly wisdom can lead us into peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I would ask you the question, whose friend are you? Whose friend are you? I read in a newspaper something that really caught my attention. And I think James, when, when you think about the book of James, one of the things we think about, one of the things that we think about almost without any hesitation is the tongue. Oh, the tongue can be set on fire of the fires of hell. Ooh, that sounds pretty rough. But communication is very important. Very important. And so, in a small town newspaper was a classified ad on Monday morning that read, for sale. R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Phone 958. <laughs> that sounds like hee-haw. Uh, <laughs> Phone 958 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with Mr. Jones, cheap. 
On Tuesday, a re-notice. We regret having aired in R.D. Jones' ad yesterday. It should have read, one sewing machine for sale, cheap. Phone 958 and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. <laughs> On Wednesday, messed up again. Thursday, finally, they came out with this ad. And here's what it said. Notice, I, R.D. Jones, have no sewing machine for sale. I smashed it. Don't call five or 958 as the telephone has been taken out. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Kelly until yesterday. She was my housekeeper, but she quit. So there. That's what communication can do for you if it gets messed up, right? And we've all been there, haven't we? And wish we hadn't. <laughs> The art of communication, well, in chapter 4 of James, we're going to check out what James has to say to us about friendship. And I'll have the scriptures on the screen, some of them, some of them may not be there, but I want us to unpack this today and ask ourselves this question, what causes fights and quarrels among us. What does that? And to answer that, let's look at James 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight and do not have because you do not ask God. Isn't that amazing? Well, everybody has stories to tell about this. You know, uh, people get crossways sometimes over the stupidest little things. How many have ever raised children? Anybody in here ever raised a child? Oh, isn't it wonderful? I love it. I, they were two years apart, and uh, I was pastor in Harrison, Ohio, and uh, Bruce was in the back seat of my Volkswagen Bug, and Rhonda was in the back seat of my Volkswagen bug, and just like this little line right here, we had a line in the middle of the seat, okay? <laughs> Bruce's side and Rhonda's side. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden I hear, he's on my side. No, she's on my side. And here it goes. Everything from chewing gum in the hair to you know what, how it all pans out. What causes that? How in the world can little people like that, that are so sweet and innocent, act like the devil? <laughs> Good question. That's what we want to talk about. The reason our lives don't go better, oftentimes, is because of selfish motivations that come from an enemy that we fight against that is called the world. The world. Now, the world is not talking about this planet. It doesn't matter to me how many dialects we have. I'm not talking about that. How, many, how much of this planet is underwater? I don't know. It's a lot. Uh, mountain range. I don't know all the mountain ranges. I know about the Ozarks. I was raised down there. So, you know, I, I've been around. <laughs> the Ozarks. But 
But I understand that these conflicts, as the scripture says, come from within us. And if I could be so kind and so gracious as to just address this real easily for all of us, I would call it, as James does in the first verse, your desires, that battle within you, and we'll just call that the flesh. The flesh. Anybody have a battle with the flesh? <laughs> Don't you love it? I, uh, so many people have been so kind today, and they come up and they say, you look good. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, it's great to see you and so on, and I tell them I'm doing fine. I just really look like this. That's, so you can interpret that any way you want to. I started out this morning, had a shower, and then it came time to comb my hair. I hate that. I hate that. Both of them. I, if I don't get them both in the right place, my scalp shines through, and people that are taller than I am look at me on top of the head, and they say, you're losing your hair, aren't you? <laughs> and I say, yes, I am. <laughs> and, and we all have our struggles, that, and, but the serious part of this is, that these things can really become big. And we get ourselves all hung up on stuff because of the flesh. The flesh. We all got to live with it, haven't we? <laughs> and isn't it amazing that this battle that goes on within us produces so many things that are just kind of scary, if you let me use that term. Now, there's another battle an enemy, and that's with the world, the world system. This is, we're talking about the cosmos, the, the uh, kind of culture that we live in. All of those things, and the Bible says, wow, this is tough. Verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Wow. That, that's, a, mm, that's, that's a big one. And I think we need to, let's stop for a minute and, and, and look at this. I, I just, I don't have the notes or the scriptures up on the, on the overhead for this one, but uh, overhead, that dates me, doesn't it? I mean PowerPoint, excuse me. <clears throat> um, when I look at that friendship with the world is hatred toward God, that's scary. That's serious. Because God wants to be your best friend. He does. God really loves you. He really cares about you. He wants to be a part of your life, an intimate part of your life that can help you with every circumstance and every situation you will ever face. And yet, if the world gets in there, the system, it has a tendency to take away from that friendship and cause you to be an enemy or at enmity with God. That's serious. Remember the, the, uh, the eclipse the other day. How many got to see the eclipse? The sun. What, wasn't it? I got me some glasses. I was up in Hartford City in a minister's meeting, and they got us all glasses. And so when the time came, we stepped outside, and I put on my glasses, and I thought I'd gone blind. I couldn't see anything. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those things are pitch black when you put them on. But then, all of a sudden, there came that light, just that little sliver. And then the clouds, it was amazing. And I lived to see it. I'll probably never live to see the next one, but that's okay. I'll be looking down on top the next time. <laughs> so, here is something about an eclipse that you may not know. A lunar eclipse, that's the moon. Here's what happens. The moon said to the sun, why didn't you shine your light on me tonight? And the sun replied, you let the world come between us. You see, the moon reflects the light of the sun. And if the world is allowed to come between the moon, the sun, if the world gets in there in the mix, it cuts off the light and there's no reflection. You know what? We're called to be a reflector of the light of the S-O-N. And if we allow the system to get in there and cut off the light of the sun, Jesus, we can't reflect him. And we cause a world that is engulfed in darkness to become darker and darker and darker with no light. That's serious. And then, the other battle we fight is not only the flesh and the world, but the devil. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's good. I remember, I remember as a Bible school student studying demonology and angelology. I had my own room because I worked a 40-hour week at a, at a shoe store. I pastored a country church out 35 miles from Springfield. I was carrying a full load. I was a busy guy, and so I got permission to stay up past curfew sometimes to study. <laughs> By myself in my room, studying demonology, <sighs> And one night, I think one landed in my room, and we went at it. Now, I used to have a little statement I would make when someone would knock on my door, especially after hours. Not always realizing who it was, I would say, spit on the floor and slide under. Really, you know, wonderful ministerial comment for a Bible college student. Educating himself to do what I'm doing this morning. And one night I did that, and there stood Dr. Hardy Steinberg, the guy that was the dean of the school. I said, hello. <laughs> and I felt about that big. But it was after that little run-in with the Dr. Steinberg that I wrestled, and, and now then I'm serious, I wrestled with something that was very real. And I have no question in my mind of what I wrestled with the demon of hell. But I pinned him. I won. 
And ever since then, and we've had experiences in our ministry, I, I had an experience one time in Natchez, Mississippi, where I saw a lady crawl on her back across the floor with her tongue flicking in and out like that. It took us about 45 minutes to pray deliverance for her. I had another one that came and was carrying a knife on her ankle. She ran out of the church, ran back in, fought, took five guys to wrestle with this little 90-pound creature and saw God set her free because I have discovered that my God is bigger than the devil. Hallelujah! Amen! And the wonderful thing is the devil is my enemy, but God wants to be my friend. Amen. And so, as a result of that, if you have a friendship with God, you've got it made because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the system, the world. It doesn't matter. Whatever comes your way, God is bigger than that, and you can trust him to be that friend that will help you in every circumstance of your life, and I can tell you that that is true because I've experienced it in my own life. Amen. Now, now this, there's, a, there's another, this kind of a really puzzled me a little bit when I was studying this week for this. And Pastor Craig, he gave me some skeleton to work on, and I put some meat on it, and uh, here's what we came up with. Look at verse 5, and I, uh, it's not going to be up there, I don't think. So I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible, and uh, this takes a little while, so everybody take water, whatever you got there, and relax. <laughs> Do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the Spirit whom He has caused to dwell in us yearns over us, and He yearns for the Spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love, but He gives more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit, to meet this evil tendency and all others. This is why the Bible says God sets himself against the proud and the haughty but gives grace continually to the lowly. Those who are humble-minded enough to receive it. Now, this scripture talks to me in no uncertain terms about the fact that the Holy Spirit, listen to this, yearns to draw me in to a relationship with a father that can be said as it was of him, he was a friend of God. Or God was a friend of Abraham. Whichever way you want to look at it, God is a God that yearns for our friendship. He wants that. And so there are enemies that fight against that because guess what? If you're a friend of God, it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what happens. God is on your side and you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Amen. And he walks with you every day of your life because he is a God that is your friend. Aren't we strange people? We do things sometimes and we think nobody knows about what we're going, what's going on. Where do you think God is while that's happening? Well, 
you know, I believe in God, but, well, I'll tell you something. God believes in you too, but you have to be receptive to that friendship. Have to. Has to work that way. That's the way God created us. That's the way the whole thing comes together. Now, if you back up a little bit to verse 3, it says, Do you ask God for those things that you desire, yet fail to receive, because you ask with wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives? Your intention is, when you get what you desire, to spend it in sensual pleasures. You're like, this is tough, you are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? Whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. I don't want to do that. Amen? I don't want to do that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. The atheist guy was called into court. And the judge said to him, said, now, addressing whatever the situation was, said, now, what do you have to say about that? And the guy spilled off something, and the judge says, are you telling me the truth? And the atheist said, I swear to God I'm telling you the truth. Amen? That's the way most of us are. We know he's there. We know there's a God. But folks, he wants to be your friend. He wants to embrace you. He wants to help you in those circumstances that come up in all of our lives at times. And so we have these enemies, flesh, world, and the devil. But now let's go and check out what God has provided for us. What is it that he makes available to us to help us? Well, step number one, James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourself. Submit is a military term. It's a strong term, which means to get into proper rank. To get into proper rank. I never served in the military. When I was in high school, they used to come. It was draft time in those days. And let let me just interject something here. The classification of those that were going to go into the service was a certain class, and then there were those that were going to be ministerial students, and they were a certain class, and, and there were those that were mentally challenged, and they were a certain class. And I'm so proud to tell you that the mentally challenged and the ministerial students were both in the same class. So, <laughs> and that's a true story. So, when they would come My counselor and principal and high school coach, he did all those things. He would say, Reverend Johnny, you don't need to come. You're going to be a preacher. So I never went into the military. But I did learn from my friends that after they'd gone into the military, that there was a lot of discipline in the military. Shine shoes, 
straight backs. Showing respect for authority. Salutes. All of those things were a part. And can I tell you that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've got great news for you this morning. If you're struggling with some things of friendship and relationships or whatever, submit to God. Just just say, here it is, Lord. I just give it all to you. Every every day, my wife and I this year have been going through a, a hymnal every day, tells how it was written, when it was written, and then we sing it together and see how much of it we can remember. And it's a beautiful thing to know that God is a God that we can submit ourselves to and trust Him because He never fails us. Now, step number two, how do you overcome the devil? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, who can't do that? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, can. But now some people, here's their problem. They fight the devil all the time. I, I just saw the devil behind that bush over there. And I, I, I think that person looks to me like that. I don't know. They've got a look in their eye. And, and other people, I had one lady that I was friends with and, and worked with and so on, and, and she built an altar in her closet. And that's okay. I mean, that's, that's, I don't have one in mind, but I think it's okay. And she would spend hours, almost nightly, fighting the devil. One day she came in, she said, boy, I had a time of it last night. She said, I felt like I was hanging by a mere thread, and if somebody cut that thread, I'd just fly off into outer space. I said, that's not necessary. You don't have to do that. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Do we believe that, church? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe it with all of my heart. And so finally, my wife was in a Bible study with this lady. And she said, how do we overcome the enemy. And my wife, in her quiet Canadian demeanor, said, Resist the devil, submit to God, and the devil will flee from you. And she said, That's easy for you to say. <laughs> There's always somebody around to cheer you on, isn't there? <laughs> Go get them. So, when you understand this, then it becomes aware to you that the next step is, in James 4 and 8, come near to God, listen, come near to God, and He will come near to you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we have a Father that wants us to come close to Him and He will come close to us. He'll meet us. He'll embrace us. He'll help us. He'll do everything necessary to establish that relationship with you. That's the God we serve.
I had a young lady come into my office one time, she and her uh, husband-to-be, she thought. They were having kind of a difficult time, and she said, uh, we're, just, we're just not getting along, and I, I think we've been there three or four times, sessions. And so I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, he said, I'm just, I, I just have such a hunger for God, and said, uh, she doesn't seem to have the same hunger I do, and... Uh, so, I'd just like to end our evenings together with prayer and just ask God for His guidance in our lives. And she says, and I don't want to do that. And I said to my wife when they left, and this is such a word of wisdom coming from me, I said, they're not going to make it. I just picked up on it just like that. I mean, it was right there. <laughs> and sure enough, and finally, one day she came in and she said, uh, wanted to see me. And so my secretary rang me and I invited her in my office. And she said, Pastor, you lied to me. I said, Whoa, that's pretty heavy. I don't usually do that if I can help it. And she said, You said that God would give me the desires of my heart. And I said, Have you ever read that whole verse? Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I said, if you're not delighting, he's not giving. Simple. And that's the way it works, folks. You have to come close to God. And the, the problem is with many of us that our pride gets in the way versus our humility. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a book, Pride versus Humility, and How I Attained Humility. Wouldn't that be great, Craig? That'd be a bestseller for my wife, would probably buy one. <laughs> but the terminology is so vitally important. It's it's found here, and I'll read real quick. Verse 11, listen to this. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you who are you to judge your neighbor. Now listen. You who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Here's some terms in there. Slander, boasting, bragging, which can eventually lead to sinning. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Oh, now wait a minute. This is getting pretty serious. Yes, it is. Because friendship with God must be done in humility. I can't do it in myself. 
I can't. I do not have the ability. I do not have the power. I do not have the wisdom. I cannot live without God and live successfully. We're not talking about money. We're not talking about insurance. We're not talking about stocks and bonds and all that stuff. We're talking about relationship with God, friendship. So James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Don't you love that? James 4.10 says, humble yourselves therefore before the Lord, and he will lift you up. <laughs> i tell you what I want us to do today. I want us to pray a prayer together. And I want you to pray this right from your heart. I mean, just give it all you've got. I've... I've In the last few years, I have learned the power of corporate prayer more than ever before. I used to think, well, if you read a prayer out of a book, it might not be anointed. Hey, some of those prayers are greatly anointed. And I discovered the power of praying with other people from my heart, something that enveloped all of us and brought us together. Isn't it fantastic how God takes us from every kind of walk of life and all the jobs we do during the week and all things we do and brings us into a house like this and we can love one another and be friends with one another and have friendship with God and have our spirits touched and lifted. That is a fantastic thing and God has done that for us because he loves us. So, I want you to stand with me this morning. And we're going to put this prayer up on the screen, and I want you to pray it with me. And pray it, pray it out loud. Let's let's do it out loud. We won't make anybody nervous. God doesn't get nervous, so that's, that's the important part. Let's pray it together. Grant, O Heavenly Father, that the spiritual refreshment I have this day enjoyed may not be left behind and forgotten as tomorrow I return to the cycle of common task. Here is a fountain of inward strength. Here is a purifying wind that must blow through all my business and all my pleasures. Here is light to enlighten all my roads. Therefore, O God, Do thou enable me so to discipline my will that in hours of stress I may honestly seek after those things for which I have prayed in hours of peace. This prayer from the heart of this man, I believe, can dictate to us our position and our need of God. I wish I had a copy so you could put it on your refrigerator, but that's okay. Just remember how much God loves you, how much he cares for you. This world will pass away, and the lust of this world, all those things will pass away. But he that does the will of God shall abide forever. Hallelujah.